into land. So first of all, walking in the flesh. Straight away, like I say, Paul gives this very clear list, doesn't he? Let's just read them again from verse 19. Uh, he says, the works of the flesh are evident. <laughs> so you can't miss them. Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, it's quite obvious that these are all negative things. That's, that's a, there's a pattern there that's quite evident. Uh, what's also interesting is they're all um, behavior-focused. They're all actions and behavior and lifestyle related, aren't they? But also being negative, they all result in damage to ourselves or to others. Um, let's just look at all these. I'm not going to go through all of them one by one, but you can clump them together almost in three, three clumps. Um, first of all, you've got sexual immorality helps as a, is a helpful headline for some of the others. You've got uh, impurity and sensuality mentioned as well. Orgies gets mentioned later on. That can all come under the banner of sexual Immorality, And what we mean by that phrase, sexual immorality, it's, uh, biblically that is referring to any form of sexual um, act outside of marriage between one man and one woman. That's what sexual immorality is. There is a place for sex in a marriage between one man and one woman. Sex anywhere else does not honour God. And so that helps sum up all the, all the rest that get mentioned there. Now, sex is not just a pleasurable act uh, that harms no one as long as they're consenting adults. That's the message that the world tries to tell us, isn't it? Just a bit of fun. As long as no one's harmed, everyone's happy about it, then it's not a problem. It's not just that. God's word makes it clear that it is also a spiritual act. I haven't got time to go through all the verses now, but that's what God's word tells us. It's a spiritual act as well as a physical thing. And right there is a reason why the sexual revolution of the last century, <laughs> why that has broken families, that has left emotional scars, that has damaged bodies, and has actually resulted in the deaths of people and babies to genocidal levels. Because sex is a spiritual thing, not just a physical thing. And it can be easy to think that sex with an individual that occurred without a resultant STD or without resultant pregnancy and no infidelity was involved, therefore it's also without spiritual effect. It's not true. If you believe that this is God's word, which we affirm here at Beacon Church, if that's the case, and we believe that is God's revealed truth, then we learn that sex is a sacred thing. And so undervaluing that outside of its divinely ordained place is sacrilege. That's what it's all about. And therefore, it bears spiritual consequences as well. Whether we realise that or not, whether we experience the over effects of that or not, even if you don't know or see something, doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> so let's just look at what God knows and what God sees. This is what we believe he says. Now, I'm painfully... Aware, I don't want to spend, spend too much time on this. We've got other aspects to look at as well. But I'm painfully aware that we have different sexual histories between us here. But also know that whatever your story is, there is immediate opportunity for healing in Jesus. Always. Now maybe, maybe you dealt with that. Maybe you've presented your past before God. You've repented. You've found forgiveness in Jesus. In which case, continue to walk in freedom. Know that he has brought you complete healing and don't keep reliving it. Don't keep feeling guilty about it. Don't keep coming back to it. It's like, we dealt with that. Don't worry. 
Walk in the freedom that he's given you, categorically. That's what the cross is all about. Draws the line for you. But maybe there is something that's in your past that Holy Spirit has been kind of prodding at and highlighting. Maybe he is right now, I don't know. Know that that same healing, that same cleansing is immediately available in Jesus. Right here and right now. He wants you to walk in freedom. And once you're in freedom, keep walking in freedom. Stay there. Don't keep coming back to it. Come before him. Talk to him about it. If you want help you know, to pray that through, then come and find us. We're happy to do that. It just suffice to say, sexual immorality and all the other you know, finer subcategories of it, it has spiritual implications. It damages you. It damages others. Outside of its rightful place, sex. But walking in the spirit is about living in freedom. Walking in the flesh hurts you and binds you. That's the reality. This is what Paul's trying to get at. Some of the others, um, there was a couple that kind of a bit separate, like idolatry and sorcery. We can look at those and go, well, they're ancient things. They're not really for the modern age. Well, you'd be surprised. Um, sorcery may not seem to be a modern issue, but it very much exists in different forms still. <laughs> still around. Witchcraft, got someone here who will tell you all about the dangers of witchcraft. Today, new age practices still going on, mediums. Uh, they, these may not be on your list of temptations, but they, they are still very prevalent in our modern Western world. Ouija boards are not a toy, not a game. They still exist. Go on your app store, you'll find Ouija board apps. On, I found half a dozen on my phone the other day that I could download if I want to. You can get it on your phone now. Dangerous. You're, you're dealing with demonic activity. You have nothing to do with it. These are not your ancestors. These are not, these are not ghosts. These, these are demons at work. Just have nothing to do with it. You can get it on your phone now. It's just dangerous. Still around. I know Christians who visited a medium. We, we had words. But it's like, what the heck are you doing? Seriously, are you, sorry, are you stupid? This is demonic activity. I have nothing to do with it. But it still happens. It still exists. Mediums are still popular. On our Facebook groups, you often see people advertising Christian spiritualists and contacting the dead and people, people all over it. It's still prevalent. It's still relevant. It's fascinating. The Greek word here for sorcery is literally translated as witchcraft as well. But it's also, it's got a link to drugs. It's the word we get pharmacy from. There is drug taking involved in it as well. And so narcotics and stimulants and all that, people often take them to, to experience a transcendent, euphoric boosting, if you like. Um, or either for a heightening or for a tranquilizing to escape from life a little bit as well. It's one or the other, isn't it? They're looking for that in the wrong place. You find your hope and your joy or your peace in Christ. This is a counterfeit version. That's what it is. Drugs in spiritual rituals are still popular, even especially in the Western world now. It's becoming a thing. Ayahuasca, just as an example, ayahuasca is a South American hallucinogenic tea. And it's used in shamanic rituals to unlock the secrets of the universe, so to speak. People go on this trip for three days and find out what the universe is, what makes it really tick and all that, supposedly. Um, they're increasingly popular, go on these retreats, popular in the Western world. The, that drug is illegal in the UK, but there are still underground retreats available where you can go and try it out. People, people are jumping to it. It's becoming more popular in Hollywood celebrities. Try a bit of ayahuasca. Oh, it was amazing. Flipping dangerous, just have nothing to do with it, categorically. And my point is, all this, it's just that everything on this list is still relevant. <laughs> and just don't touch it with a barge pole. The spiritual realm is very real, and only Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. 
through scripture, through prayer, through the gifts, through the church. Nowhere else, no one else, you will find truth. Don't go looking for it anywhere else. Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit alone. And idolatry, um, just so we can be sure what, what's meant by that, that can still be a danger for all of us. We may not be carving figures out of stone or wood or making fancy sacrifices at a literal altar to a false god, but we still do it in other ways. John Calvin, um, he was a French pastor in the 1500s, he once said, man's nature, so to speak, is a perpetual factory of idols. We're always trying to come up with another one, something else to worship. We do it. We can elevate political parties to a level that they should not be elevated to. <laughs> They're still human. <laughs> we elevate people and politicians. We think too highly of famous people's opinions just because they're famous. You know, we elevate people to where they shouldn't be. The cult of personality is all around, all around us. There's worship involved. Footballers, movie stars, wherever it might be. We can make an idol out of our careers. That's what becomes, goes first. Make an idol out of money, out of fame, out of food, out of sex again, out of family, out of our children sometimes. They become the number one trump card for everything. The self, make an idol out of self, that's a biggie now, isn't it? I feel that such and such is true. Therefore, that's my truth. Really? I identify as X, Y, or Z. Really? What are you basing that on? Where's that rooted? That's even more rampant than the cult of personality, isn't it? What about what God says and what God ordains? Whatever is, here's the thing, whatever is more likely to swing our allegiance from Jesus in any given moment when we're making a choice, that's an idol. Let me just say that again. Whatever is more likely to swing our allegiance from Jesus in any given moment when we make a choice, there's a likely idol. We've got to spot these, kind of hunt these things down in our hearts sometimes, haven't we? And then the, the rest of the batch, um, there's enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries, divisions, envy, and then there's drunkenness, which will feed all of that. Um, that's all about relational hostility, isn't it? Um, they all still definitely happen, don't they? <laughs> uh, and we can all be prone to these things, uh, whether in a big fireworks way or tiny ways that just fester and bubble away in the background of our hearts. Resentment, disappointment, whatever it might be. There was conflict in this particular church. This is why Paul was writing this letter. Uh, the Galatian believers, they've been, as I intimated earlier on, um, They've been um, striving to find spiritual perfection in keeping the law. Um, but as a result, he says in verse um, 15, he says they're liable. He tells them what they're liable to do, to bite and devour one another. That's what they're in danger of because of this, this argument about the rules and the regulations. There was enmity even in the church there. Now, families in general, birth families, for example, can be prone to this in a huge way, <laughs> Right? Uh, we just experienced it in our wider family just yesterday. All, somebody else all kicked off. Um, it's easier to fall out with a friend and walk away than it can be with blood relations, can't it? There's a different tie there. There's a deeper connection that resonates louder and hurts further. So when there is enmity in birth or adoptive family, that pain goes uh, a lot deeper and a lot longer than losing a friend, doesn't it, generally? Now, I know people have been on the receiving end of that. That's different. Paul would have been very sensitive to people being on the receiving end of that. What he's saying here is, don't you be the cause of it. 
<laughs> That's what he's saying. We live in a world where we're surrounded by other people. You're likely to get hurt at some point. <laughs> where do you turn with that and don't be the cause of it, is what he's saying. But if that's birth family, church family can hurt too. And many of us may well have been, may, may have experienced that as well. And while you can walk away from a local church family, if you genuinely want to pursue Jesus, you do that in community. And therefore, church family, in whatever context, will always be right under your nose, even when they're getting right up your nose. True. True, isn't it? We need to learn to walk in the Spirit, in humility, in forgiveness, in love, together for His glory and for our flourishing. So relational hostility has spiritual implications. It damages you and it damages others. It's the same again. Walking in the Spirit is about living in freedom. Walking in the flesh, it hurts and it binds and corrupts. So looking through all that together, detailing it all out loud like that, it makes it sound quite obvious. Oh yeah, well, nothing to do with any of that. At the moment, sitting here listening to that, sound, yeah, it makes sense. Thanks, Steve. Well done. But in our quiet moments, we can still get tempted in many of these areas, can't we? Um, at the time, it's appealing. A sense of justice. You want to fight your cause in the family, whatever it might be, rather than trying to seek peace. I'm going to fight my corner. It's different, isn't it? It's a different heart behind it. For example, it sounds appealing and it seems appealing, which is why we run after it sometimes. It's, it's, um, we've, have we all seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? And not for a while. Should we put on a show in? Do, do another watch. You know that one character that terrifies the life out of us? And uh, we've, all, we've probably all had nightmares as a kid, have we? I don't know. The child catcher. There's that bit when he's after the kids and he's got his little bell and he's got his colourful cape and he's decorated his hat and he's got lollipops in his hand. He's going, I've got some lovely goodies for you, isn't he? With his weird nose. It was the nose that freaked me out. That was the bit. He goes, I've got some lovely goodies for you. They're all free today. Ice cream, treacle tarts. And all the kids are like, oh, ice cream, treacle tart, lollipops. And they're all free. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Very enticing. So they go running after him. And it's not until they've pursued him down the road, they've got too close and it's too late, they're caught in his trap, they then understand and recognize his true colors. But it's too late. They're in. Sin does that too. It teases and it looks nice. It seems fun. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It makes you, you think it's going to make you feel better. If it didn't, if it even, in the, even in the moment, if it wasn't nice sinning in the moment, we wouldn't do it. There's something about it in the moment makes you feel better. It's only afterwards you're like, should have done that. <laughs> it seems enticing at the beginning. It's until you've got too close is when its true nature is revealed. And so it's still a temptation for all of us as God's people. So walking in the flesh is, I trust, obviously damaging, and yet it remains so appealing at times that even we... God's rescued people will still need to be reminded that we need the help of God himself in order to continue walking in true freedom and to not be enticed back into behaviours that bind us and get hooks into us so slyly. That's what it does. And so Paul, he then reveals to us a whole other way to navigate life, a walk that isn't just for the grand moments, but for our everyday, minute by minute, normal journey through our lives. That's key, and that's where the ground is taken. This walk that doesn't stifle you, 
doesn't betray us, but instead it breathes life into us and helps us discover true freedom in Jesus. And so having listed everything uh, what according, living according to the flesh looks like, Paul now lists what living according to the Spirit looks like. And the contrast between the two is really striking. It's not just the obvious good and bad flavours. Um, they're not just opposite lists. Um, but they're also strikingly different in their very essence. Let's just have a look. At verse 22, Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You notice the difference? See, when Paul is listing uh, about walking in the flesh, it's a list of works. In fact, he uses that language, the works of the flesh are. But when it comes to the flip side of the coin, he doesn't list the works of the Spirit. He lists the fruit of the Spirit. So the works of the flesh, that's all about behavior and, and describe, describing a lifestyle and actions and choices in that respect. When it comes to life in the Spirit, he describes the fruit, the character. He describes the heart. One shows its true colors in terms of damage to ourselves and to others. The other shows its true colors in terms of beauty, just simply beauty, what he's depicting. All along, God is less interested in our good works than he is in our goodness. If this was a list of good works that Paul then listed, the works of the Spirit are being nice to people and giving money to people and so on. If that was the case we would very easily fall into the trap of thinking it's all about those actions when it's actually not. It's deeper than that. Otherwise you, could, otherwise, you could then think, well, so if I give money to people in need and I say nice things to people and I don't participate in orgies, then I'm, walk, well, I'm walking in the spirit, am I? I'll do the opposite of that other list. Well, no, not necessarily. People who don't know Jesus do all that already. People who don't know, there are people who... I've got friends who, who don't know Jesus and yet they do give money to people in need and they do say nice things to people and they don't participate in orders as far as I'm aware. Do you know what I mean? I think it doesn't mean they know Jesus and doesn't mean they're walking in the Spirit. It's not about the actions. Doing the opposite doesn't make you the opposite kind of person. Becoming that new person on the inside will result in the opposite behaviour. And we can't do that, only God can. And when divinely enabled heart change is happening, our actions, our behaviour will automatically be markedly, overtly, explicitly different. And so as uh, Vanessa uh, helped uh, explain last week, uh, she's helpfully unfolded for us about the fruit of the Spirit. She, he, he gives this list, the fruit of the Spirit is one fruit with many flavours, this window, actually, on the heart of Jesus. It's what it is. And, therefore, the kind of people who, with Holy Spirit's help, we can increasingly become. As God's chosen, rescued people, we are called to make a practice of no longer seeking these things, but living for Him, letting Him work in us and through us. And how do we do that? Well, Paul says, the key here, verse 24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you now belong to Jesus, that is now dead to you. Your old self is dead to you. You're a new creation. You have new life. You're born again. You're reborn. 
And so that old self is dead to you now. It's just that like a zombie, if you like, it can be stumbling around still trying to get hold of us. We can all hear that whisper sometimes, can't we? And so resisting that isn't a case of willpower, but resting in Jesus' good work and letting Holy Spirit do his thing. So Colossians chapter 2, from verse 11, Paul says, In him, Jesus, we've put off the body of flesh and we've been made alive together with him. And so uh, Mel, when the kids and Mel were helping with their, their um, demonstration with the vine and the different aspects, she says, it all starts with turning and following him. You can't live this life if you're not in him, if you're not part of that vine. You need to turn and follow. You can't bear his fruit if you're not part of the vine in the first place. And that is when Holy Spirit, God himself, comes to dwell in you and to work his wonders. So first and foremost, we need to ask, is that you? Are you in the vine? Is Holy Spirit residing in you? Have you turned and followed Jesus, repenting of your old ways, stepping into new life with him? That's where it starts. Because then in Jesus, the flesh, with all of its deceitful promises that it tries to entice us with, it's no longer your master. It's Holy Spirit now who guides our steps and empowers our choices. Just so I come to finish, then Paul the language he uses in verse 25, he said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And the language he's using there, it means keep in step with the Spirit. Keep, I, love, I just love that phrase, keep in step with the Spirit. As in, don't run ahead of the Spirit. Don't lag behind. Keep in step with Him. If you run ahead, you're expecting Him to keep up with you. That's not being led. <laughs> you're trying to lead Holy Spirit and have none of that he's not your bodyguard or your roadie he's not on our team we're on his don't race ahead where he's not going but don't lag behind either laziness we can often all be prone to not listening to him ignoring him just being passive you know, lazy about our devotional times and so on. We can therefore end up missing out on where God is going and therefore we miss out on all the opportunities he's opening up for us to grow and to learn and to see him do marvellous things in us and in others. So therefore we keep in step with him. By living in the word, living it out loud, knowing him and obeying him. Are you doing that? Trying, good. That's all he wants. I'm trying. Tend to your prayer life. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. Don't beat yourself up about it. We've all got room to grow. Don't compare yourself to others. Because are you trying? Are you growing? Cultivate your prayer life. He's inviting you. It's an invitation. He's not there to scold you. Well, where have you been all this time? I've been waiting for you to come back. He's not. He's welcome. He's invitational. He's inviting you to go deeper. And of course, we do it in community as well. We encourage one another in all these things. Discipleship is a community project. We're all called to live this out together, which is why Paul's language in that, in that, um, in that verse I just read is plural, it's collective. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let's keep, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's encourage one another to do that too.
Holy Spirit is in you, you are his fruit-bearing people, right? And people, this is the thing, people around us are starving for that fruit. People are starving for that fruit in, and in him. We have, that, we have that in lorry loads, don't we? We let Holy Spirit work in us and through us. And therefore, we get a chance to be a blessing to those around us, to one another, but also to those around us outside the church as well as a sign pointing to the one who is the perfect example of it all. And so we're changed hearts, therefore we should increasingly be bearing good fruit as we walk in step with him. More love, more joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When that is at work, our actions, our choices will no longer be harmful or damaging or dishonoring, but instead they'll be life-giving and strengthening and healing. Let me just end with one portion from Isaiah chapter 32. The prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him, promising a day that we are now living in the light of. Isaiah chapter 32. From verse 15, he's speaking into a a, a picture of a a barren land, effectively. And he says, "The, the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted. But he said, this is the situation, in verse 15, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. There is a picture of God's people, that's us today, there's a picture of God's people living Jesus out loud by Holy Spirit, displaying him in our character and therefore our actions. And that is when the church becomes ever more beautiful and attractive to those around us. Amen? That is when Jesus will be very much glorified and people will turn and believe. Utterly convinced. The more beautiful the church becomes, people, some people turn away because of what it represents. Others will, be, will come running. It's, because they, it's not because they'll see us, it's because they'll see Jesus. So let's be walking in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for who you are as well as what you've done. We love your heart, your heart of mercy. You, you are love. Your heart, your compassion, your justice, your, your righteousness, your glory, your majesty. You're just amazing. And the more we dwell on you, the more we discover of you, the more you reveal of yourself to us, the more we are just drawn to you. Help us to see more of you. And therefore, through that, walking with you, becoming more like you, that we might glorify you more. Lord, we need your help. We cannot do this in our own strength, but we can do it in yours. So right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you will come dwell upon us, help us, work through us, show us, guide us, lead us, whisper to us, Help us evermore to be your people out loud from within as you change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.